Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last conversation. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. All right. Well, what I've decided to do is I'm going to play a game with myself where I get to know you all by the beer that you all choose because they're all different. Oh, okay. They're all different. So off the bat, I'm taking this one for me. We'll talk talk about that later. You're a man of culture, I see. So all of these beers are from uh, my good friends at Noble Creature Brewing in Youngstown, Ohio. This show is not sponsored by Noble Creature in any way, shape, or form. But they are, and I kid you not, my favorite brewery on the fucking planet. So thank you for the beverages that you are not sponsoring the show with. But (laughs) thank you for making them is all I am saying. So the first one up is a Faust beer. It's like a German Oktoberfest type thing. Okay. The second one here is, it's another lager. It is literally... Just like a, you know, a good old normal Schwartz beer. So it's a black lager, actually. A little darker. Mm. And then we got the Doubles, which is a hazy pale ale, double dry hopped. Kind of more of, you know, the trendy sort of thing. So who's taking which beer? Is it just wrong for me to just grab and go? No. You could do that, too. It could be like everybody just grab and get what you're going to get. We could go for it. We want to do like a three, two, one count. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Really? I thought you'd go with the hazy. That's interesting. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we have gone through that entertaining game, uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers to you. And I am sipping on The Drown, which is a collaboration beer between Noble Creature and two Youngstown, Ohio. I believe they're both from Youngstown, Ohio bands. Rebreather and Frail, who recently just did a collaboration project together. Very cool. This is a uh, stout, locally forged chanterelle mushrooms with wormwood and yeast and a bunch of weird shit, chocolate coffee. I have no idea what's going to go on here. Mushrooms? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. This is your fucking party, dude. So like more of an umami something rank coming out of you later. Oh, that's a weird beer. So like, like molasses good. flavor? Is that- That's, that tastes absolutely nothing like I thought it was going to taste like, oh, but okay. I like it. How's everyone's drinks? Love it. I like it. Like it. Blacker Very than nice the blackest black. It's obviously a hazy IPA, so you have the hops. It's drier, um, but not as citric as most people. I think a lot of breweries really overdo the citrus to try and compensate for a hazy. Uh, that's a bad move. Don't do that. Uh and it seems like they got it right here. It's a very tasteful application of citric acid. Look at me talking. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Anything. Well, for anyone that is not familiar with today's guests, I'm sitting here with three-thirds of the one and only Shadow of Corvus. Make some noise for the internet. That's so good. I didn't even know 
three thirds. You're the. I mean, dude, you're you're the comedian of the band. Right, but I'm not the brains of the band. That implies. I don't think we have brains. Yeah, no. Well, that's why it's three thirds. Each one of us brings a third of a human brain to the band, and then we're all maybe a third. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, depends on how much of this lovely beer we have. It could end up being two thirds. One of us might drop out due to a blackout. We'll see. And why is that person me? I was going to say the the one in the running is definitely Alex. <laughs> That's what happens when you play in a pop punk band, man. Is what it is. Is what it know. is. Uh, needless to say, his lifestyle will determine his death style. <laughs> if there's anyone that'll All fit right, that James. description, it's him. <laughs> All right. Well. Let's get a proper cheers. Yes. And let's yes. start this conversation off right. Cheers. Is that how we do it here? I don't oh, give a shit. Rules. It doesn't matter. I like I how you have your own koozie just equipped. Yeah. So um, he's going for that. Yeah. That I add money. My <laughs> wife does sailing. Her family does sailing. So I've been integrated into that upscale lifestyle. So bringing a nice leather koozie with some stitch work on it uh it, it's on brand all the, all of us i feel like have different stylings that we bring um he's the married guy so i feel like he would he's the one that would show up with a leather koozie i'm the kind of guy that'll show up in like an emperor shirt and drink the fanciest drink at like a bar downtown alex will just show up at a bar and he'll just be like give me a 12 pack of miller and let's play a show <laughs> yeah that is yeah. we bring something different to the table nice nice no i think that diversity is great there's like you're like a yin yang but with somehow a third shape in there yeah it wasn't always like that it really wasn't uh, i mean we this this band really just started as a uh just as a way for me to get become a better audio engineer because at the end of the day that's really where my heart and soul is at it's just at audio engineering and I grew up in the Clarion area and I wasn't, a lot of people weren't really into the kind of melodic death that I was really into at the time in like mid 2000s, late 2000s era metalcore, like Howard era kill switch and like, uh, like parallels era as I lay dying. So I saw it as just a way of being like, yeah, I'll, I'll just do this myself. And I met Cameron whenever I was a student at Clarion University. We were both in the marching band at the yeah. time, and he was into the radio. He was into the radio program there, and I I always wanted to do like a heavy metal theme show. So we we just started talking. I showed him some of the demos that I had for what was it like Liars and Remembrance at the time. Yeah. Uh yeah, you just had those two. I remember you had a um, notebook of lyrics. That when you first brought me into the project, my first thing was, let me see the lyrics. I sat down, corrected all of the grammatical mistakes, <laughs> and then said, all right, let's begin. <laughs> because I, I I couldn't get out of like that mid-2000s, late-2000s well, you era. Said when like, you wrote that stuff, you were, what, literally 15 years old? 15, 17. Right. Yeah, yeah. Liars and Deceivers being the first song I ever wrote. And that was... Man, I, I go back and listen to that, and I'm just like, I, I can't stand to listen to this anymore. <laughs> I think that there's something fun that happens whenever you uh, go back and revisit shit that you wrote when you were like, you had no idea what life was. Oh, yeah. But like, you know, you're trying to write something deep. It's just like so funny. Like, oh, if you only knew, <laughs> you motherfucker, it's gear up. <laughs> yeah, we had that moment at a practice what maybe a month or so ago i was like yeah let's do liars let's try and put it back in the set list we played through it and i looked at you at the end and i was like what is this song about 
I don't, I, like, I hear myself singing the lyrics, and my first thought is, what does this mean? And I can't think of the answer anymore. I'm too old. I remember you were just like, yo, we have time. We should do liars. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Why do you want to do this? He's like, we should totally put this in a set. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then we went through it, and you're like, okay, yeah, you're yeah, right. No, he, Never he, doing he that right. again. That was a good call. <laughs> I think that you could probably just rewrite the lyrics and nobody would know. If you well, like the oh, music. Well, yeah, I mean, we probably could, considering that's something we did want to talk about while we're here. Right. And so that's, you know, as an aside, that's a really interesting thing about the time we live in right now is uh, I think Future has done it. Drake has done it. Kanye's definitely done it. So at least on the rap end, I don't know of any rock or metal bands that have done this, but revising your album after release because of the way streaming works now, it's possible. We even had a moment where I looked at you and I was like, hey, I have this new vocal line that I do live. Can we just throw this in and change the track that's already out and has been released for two weeks? And you obviously said, hell no. Why would we do that? And I'm like, because we can. We can do that. You can just pull it off Spotify and we'll change it. It was hard enough getting that original version of Night off of Spotify and then just, oh. just being like, hey, I know we've been a thing for like, seven eight plus years but you have this version now get rid of it it's it's obsolete it's garbage here's the one that you want this is the one you want yeah, no listen to this please yeah <laughs> you know there's some really dumb things that happen sometimes with like trying to upload a song to the internet that has already been uploaded in one case like maybe like like oh i'm recording uh so within the normal creatures album that just came out yeah mm -hmm. Uh, a couple of the tracks, I think we had like pre-released them. So I was trying as like singles or something. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but I was trying to re-release it. But because it, iTunes already had a song with the same name and the same BPM and everything, oh. I couldn't upload it. So fun fact, I think the first four tracks on the Normal Creatures album on iTunes are like, three bpm slower or faster to get it through really? the system yeah i just like time stretched it like the the smallest amount to get it through the algorithm now you're more <laughs> what the fuck yeah now you're more how much effort would that take because you now have to consider if i i don't know that much about production if you're time stretching don't you have to worry about I just, pitch now no 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 there are two different ways that you could go about it. You could do it monophonically or polyphonically. Uh, doing it in a, in a polyphonic sense would adjust pitch. Um, whereas if you would do it, um, I, it's, it's honestly been so long. I remember we tried doing this with like some of your original demo vocals on Ovan 4. That's right. Where I, we were like testing to see if we wanted to like do like a harmonized part and it, it just didn't work out. And you're like, oh crap, I have to retract this. I'm like, nah, dude, I'll just copy it and just pitch adjust it. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's, there's a, a lot of interesting things that you can do with the power of our current state of technology. But there's also some weird shit like, this is my music. Why can't I just upload this to iTunes? Because it's already been uploaded. Well, it's different. It's a different, I, I don't know. I, it, I wish I remembered all the exact details, but the only way I was able to upload it was by 
definitely just time stretching the master the smallest amount. That's insane. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it, it just goes to show that like we live in an incredible time in the music industry where streaming is so accessible and you can really do a lot to it, but um, it's not perfect. Like, for example, um, the the band shirt I'm wearing, The Midnight, they're like a, a synthwave band. Um, on Spotify, they're listing that they're playing in Youngstown next month. But what is actually interesting is that Spotify mistake, mistook them for the metal band Midnight. Okay. So that show is not listed on their on their website or any of their socials anywhere. But, like, I got a notification yesterday that said, like, yeah, The Midnight's playing in Youngstown next month. I'm like... No, there is no way. There is no way they're playing with a band. There's no way that they're playing with other bands like these. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, what exactly the other band? Sure, are. sure. Like sure. You, you'd look at it, and you'd be like, "There's no way." Sure. Yeah. yeah. So as far as you know, Shadow of Corvus goes. Let's let's get through the boring shit real quick. <laughs> oh. You're a heavy metal band. Whores. Oh yeah, those guys. <laughs> like you, you'd see that like laser wolf low pan whores, and you're like, "There's no way." Oh yeah, that's uh, blackout cookout. I want to go to that. Yeah, as aside, back to us as, as, as an aside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier, released a new record that you wanted to change two weeks later. Yeah, Kanye, tell me about it. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> how's Hans Field treating you? You staying there? Yeah, no, I've been living inside of Heinz Field. Uh, we're trying to work on a self-titled album. I've been living in there wearing a bulletproof vest, sleeping on the floor of the locker room, you know, classic Kanye yeah. initiative. Uh, so no, uh, our new album, Separation, uh, what was the release date there? July 23rd. July 23rd, a bit of a concept record about light and darkness. We try to turn it on its head in a way that feels original, but like looking back at the lyrics, like anyone could have done the lyrical comparisons we're doing here. But pretty much we sat with this record, said we want to have a consistent narrative throughout where it's basically a group that tries to harness uh, some life-extending force that manages to break a dam, reawakens a group of undead soldiers called the Legend, which then chases this group throughout the narrative and plucks them off until the end where you hear them uh, basically become victim of their own mistakes. So the idea of the record there is that, you know, conceptually light and dark are flipped, going toward the darkness. It's where night, like, black out every star, make this darkness ours. Mm -hmm. We're trying to take that idea and somewhat turn it on its head and say, uh, what if you took possession of your mistakes and follies in life and looked at yourself and said, those are good, and sometimes the pursuit of perfection harms others. That's where I was in the mindset. I don't know that we lyrically get there. I get a little sci-fi uh, for it to kind of tie together, but that's essentially the crux of our songwriting process on this record. I could tell you rehearsed this because I think that is probably the clearest that you've ever explained the concept of the record. Yet. I'm glad you said that because this whole time I was like, holy shit, this sounds dumb. Oh, dude, I am. This is so stupid. Yeah, no, uh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's the clearest that you've kind of explained it. Um, really, if there's only one song on the record that I feel like kind of doesn't really fit that narrative that you're speaking of, it's the one that I wrote lyrics for, which is the title track. I, I mean, Separation still works. Um, 
I guess instrumentally what we were trying to do on this record was take all of our influences, everything that guides us as a band and say, uh, can we prove that we can do this? So our EP was a testament, like, can we at least tolerate each other and make five songs where this record was, can we start to branch out? Can we start to diversify in our sound? Let's take a little bit of doom metal. Let's take some classic thrash. Let's take mellow death. Let's do some acoustic metal uh, and some more ballad like stuff and see branch our, you know, let's branch this tree out, find out what sticks. And I think, you know, we haven't started writing anything new, but I think our direction next time is look at the reception we get from this and say, now we have a path forward. Now we have a sound. You yes. know, every every great band has a sound. Your Iron Maidens, your Slayers, your Mastodons, they all sound like their own thing. And I think that's what this record, we branched ourselves off like an octopus and said, let's see what we can pick up. Yeah, and there was a lot of different uh, inspirations from this record. Um, I know for... The title track, I took a lot of inspiration from, like, songs from the North era, Swallow the Sun. Yeah. Like, I would <laughs> I would kind of argue that that song in of itself is just a ripoff of, like, um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of it, um, From Happiness to Dust. Yeah. Where, like, the, the middle section of it, where, like, the spoken word part is kind of just like a ripoff of that. But then there are other songs on the record, like Virtues, that kind of takes inspiration from like leveler era august burns red and but with but with like the kind of like triadic harmonies that you would hear like in a death clock record because i'm i'm a huge fan of death clock and i've always been so inspired to like layer as many different guitar parts as possible because like most of the metal that we listen to there isn't a lot of melody in the vocal line so Brendan's way of getting around that was just layering as many guitar parts as he could on top of each other. Yeah. And I remember like a couple of years ago, just to like kind of test that theory and like really, ex really understand that from a grand perspective was um, as a solo thing, Cameron helped me film, but I recorded a cover of Death Clock's The Galaxy, which in my opinion has the most guitar layers that you could possibly find in a metal song. <laughs> There's like there's like seventh chords that are like split out between like seven or eight different guitar parts, like octaves on top of each other. And like there's the seventh on top and like there's the fifth on the bottom and stuff like that. It I remember when I recorded the video for that cover, I had like eight frames of video all going at the same time. And I'm just like this. This is getting crazy. Like how like how could a band possibly expect to play something like this live? And they still did. I mean, with the advent of modern technology, they were able to pull it off. But just like if you were thinking of like Mellow Death back in like the 90s, like where it started with like Dark Tranquility and In Flames, at the how would they and at the gates kind of stuff like how would you expect that to work? Like I remember even listening to um, the Jester Race and Horacle for the first time and being like, how are, how did they pull this off back in the 90s? Like there are so many different layers on top of this. And that that's really where um and for me as a musician personally, that's where I take a lot of inspiration from. Just trying to make like the biggest sounding production. Sure. And, and so that can. question was the I guess the catalyst for this record is how did they do it back then? How can we do this? So that that's really what we were aiming for. Uh Alex, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um 
you really weren't involved until we started playing live. So for that, we're sorry. We'll get you on the next one. For but. reference, Alex has been in the band for well over three years now, but a lot of the writing for Separation um, was kind of done before he started playing live shows with us. Um, yep. So in terms of like what's next for us, we're really excited for what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, because, I mean, like, I... All of the drums on the record are programmed, but... Spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry to disappoint you. Um, I think you've seen the memes about that guy who always asks bands. If yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry to disappoint that dude. It's all programmed. <laughs> You're not going to find a single acoustic drum here. But we're hoping to change that for the next one. And I will say that since bringing Alex into Shadow of Corvus, um, he really helped me inspire a lot of the drum writing, especially for separation. Because like I had like, I remember I would like send you demos like through Facebook Messenger and just be like, yeah, I, I feel like the drums could be better here. They could feel a little bit more open. And then we'd like go rehearse the songs with Alex and then he'd like throw in a fill or something or like he'd change up a part that I program and it'd be like, fuck, this is so much better than what I could <laughs> ever come up with. And then I just go back and be like, how did he do that? Could a program like that. So as much as the drums are programmed, um, Alex is as much as part of this record as uh, Cameron and I are because mm -hmm. all of the drums um, are kind of inspired like how he would play them. Like sure. as I was programming them, I'm like, how would he play this? How would he do this fill? Like, okay, yeah, that, that feels more open. This feels more realistic mm -hmm. yeah. compared to just, you know, keeping the velocity at 127 the whole time and just sounding like a deathcore band. Sure. <laughs> You know, so you guys were on uh, a live stream that I did uh, around the time, I think around somewhere, a little bit before the album came out, right? Yeah, it was a couple uh, months. Yeah. yeah, so, but during that time, you had talked about how it took you a while to get this album together. Oh, yeah. And I, I think after just listening to you talk for the past 10 minutes, I yeah. can completely understand why it took you so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just very obvious to me that you guys are have like this, like, like this, it's this like crystal clear focus on what you want. Mm -hmm. But the issue is that like being an artist is nothing but fog. Yeah. So it's oh, like, yeah. how do you find this perfect thing when you're like lost in the sauce of just trying to like create it and like simultaneously learn. And as you learn how to do different things, it changes everything that you did before. And it becomes like, there's like these times where it's like you like find like a new fucking plugin or you figure out something different you could do with your voice. And it's just like, holy shit, we have to go back to the beginning of all these songs <laughs> and rethink the way that everything was done because of oh, yeah. one light bulb that clicked. That was literally like our workflow. <laughs> um, I'm not afraid to admit that this record took like six years to finish. Sure. Um, we recorded and did the demo of night that we had on streaming services for like, fuck, what, three, four years? Yeah, it something was like uploaded that? for about four years. Something like that. It was up before I even... I was even in. Yeah, yeah, we were still a two-piece performing around Pittsburgh for we that. We hadn't even met you at Giant Eagle yet. No, <laughs> no, we, no, 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 get it right. We met at that that little club in Katanning. Radioactive. Oh, and right, we'll, because you were playing with... Uh, Blacklist and Twin that, Trees. That double header, and that's where we met. Oh, <laughs> I remember right. showing up to that show and you, like, seeing my... Um, my Thunder Horse, and I think I, I don't think I had the Falcon at the time. No, it was just no. the Thunder Horse. And you're just like, if you don't sound check to a Death Clock song, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So I went up there and played it, and you're like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. I saw, I think I saw his jacket, or maybe it was yours. Someone had something Metalocalypse and, and Trivium something. <laughs> that was me. And I'm just like, all right, these guys are legit. Let's see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, to your point, Brian, um, that was pretty much like that what you're describing like a new plugin or like a new way that he's phrasing his vocals or something like that that's literally what inspired me to finish separation was he would just practice in his spare time and as the years went by i moved across the country to san diego and as i was living there and nam was happening i was coming across like new amp sims and like new plugins that i had on my to, to like my to get list um Whenever Softube put out the um, the amp sim for the Kerry King Marshall JCM 800, okay. I'm like, that's the sound. That is the rhythm sound I've been chasing for years, <laughs> and I'm, that just literally inspired. Me. Like, all right, I'm going to spend two days and just track all the rhythm parts for the record because they're all written out. Everything's already demoed out. Everything's ready to go. And a few months later, that's when ML Sound Labs came out with not only the the Roots plugin, uh, Fluff's signature plugin, but they came out with the Arc, which is their PRS Archon model. And I'm just like, ooh, Lair and Archon with a Friedman Butter Slacks. This is my lead sound. This is, you You put these two things together, it, it just creates magic. You layer triadic harmonies on top of that, this is magic. This is the guitar sound I've been working years to find. And I just didn't have, because I was traveling so much, I just didn't have the capability to like go into a studio or ask someone like, hey, do you have a 6505 I could borrow for reamps or something like that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> for me, I, I've always been a headphone guy. I, I've never been able to stay in one spot that I could just mix on monitors and like commit to just doing that. So I've always been an on-the-go mixing engineer. So for me, having that kind of flexibility that I just be like, yeah, just swap that out, swap that out. That sounds better than this. Just do this, do that. Um, it's been incredible. And yeah, the, the point I'm really trying to make here is that uh, it, it took technological advances to really kind of inspire me, at least, I can't speak for Cam, to really finish this record. That makes a ton of sense because it's a lot of work when you're trying to do all of this stuff yourself. And sometimes, you know, you could only really get, you can only do so much yourself. Yeah. And whether, you know, it's bringing other people on board or, you know, in your circumstance, like the other person that was brought on board is whoever fucking came up with that plugin yeah. and introduced it to you. <laughs> it's just like, you know, there's a lot of collaboration that needs to make this work. Like even, I guess like even if you're recording something as like a solo artist, there's still the collaboration between like you and whoever is responsible for the equipment that you're using Absolutely, to do yeah. this stuff. And like, I don't know, all this, you could get really layered and like uh, very, um, I, I don't know, spiritual isn't the word, but fuck it. So <laughs> you could, you could really go down a wormhole. This is like one of those thoughts that I've never really had before until just now. And my brain's going faster than like my dumb mouth can move. <laughs> oh, I know that. So yeah. we're going to shelf that. I'm going to think about that. We'll come back to it. When Sykes said what he said, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of now you're able to be a band because you have an album that has been released. Mm -hmm. You're not just a two piece anymore. You have, you know, 
a drummer and you have a yelling thing and you got the fucking guitar thing. thing. You got all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what has it been like now playing as a three-piece? Is there any plans to expand or do you intend to keep it as this small core? I'll touch on that one first. Um, And Brandon might not like me bringing this up, we are often, you know, we often miss out on some opportunities because we are a three piece. I think a lot of, you know, promoters or uh, management groups would look at us and say, well, there are three piece, but I think the distinction here is none of us play bass. So there's no solid rhythm in this band that isn't coming from a laptop. And I think to a lot of live audiences that can be pretty off putting. Um, and it, it really depends on the genre. Like you look at electronic music or EDM, uh, pop music, a bassist isn't really required. The performer is the art. So they're there to see one person or at the most two people. But when you get into three people, you start to look at like early Trivium who were a three piece, but they had a bassist. And so there is a visual element of, okay, every instrument I see here is also what I hear. So when you have a band like us where our rhythm tracks, a lot of our accessory guitars, a lot of our accessory sound effects and our bass are coming from a backing track and the people, you know, you see the element there and go, well, I see a singer, but he's not playing bass and I hear a bass. Why? And I think that's a question that a lot of people get asked. And when they don't have a suitable answer, something that they like, they look at that and go, well, this doesn't, maybe this really doesn't appeal to me. So I think we've had a little bit of that struggle. But uh, one good thing to come out of us playing live and really trying to focus more on our live element is a lot of people come away from our shows and go, damn, you guys were legit. You guys were really tight. It was super fun to watch you. And I think that's more of our angle is we try to keep it pretty lively on stage. And that's what we shoot for. Absolutely. Um, and I I know that a lot of people have been like, yeah, you you should you should get a rhythm guitar player or a bass player. Um, I remember watching a, a video that Adam Neely did a couple of months ago where he was talking about the concept of is playing to backing tracks cheating? And um, the deduction that he came to is like, no, the music isn't a sport. You're not you're not trying to one up somebody here. You're trying to put on a memorable performance. And while I can definitely understand that metal and heavy metal as a genre of music is a very the term he used was non acousmatic uh, genre of music where where people in the audience will want to if they hear something, they want to see it. They don't want uh, they don't want an artificial representation of it. They yeah. want to actually see what is being heard because metal in of itself is a very energetic and very um, audience driven kind of genre of music. Whereas if you would go to like a dead mouse or an excision show, something EDM or electronic, that's acousmatic because people can see like a stage full of lights or a laptop on stage or a deck and understand that one person isn't recreating all these sounds live. It's kind of why like Daft Punk and like other artists like that get away with something like that. They can put on a tour like a live 2007 and people go ape shit over it because that is a genre of music that is acousmatic and people can understand that they're not going to see everything that they're going to hear. Yeah. I think that a lot of people that go to like a, um, like a, 
like a modern pop hip hop type show. I think that they're obviously they just want to go there. I mean, I can't say that this is the specific reason why anybody does anything. Right. But I think some reasons would be obviously just to be in the same place as whoever's there. Mm-hmm. Like right? the weekend, for example. It, it doesn't, it, it, the live instrumentation really doesn't matter. And I think the other thing too, why a lot of times these artists get away with just playing backing tracks is because the majority of these people, especially young people today have never really listened to music through a stereo system. Yeah. So when they hear, when you hear, you're listening to it like on a cell phone, on a laptop, maybe the best experience they're getting is if they have or know somebody with a good car system. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, Mm -hmm. Even a good car system doesn't hold up to like a stadium with like, you know, a million fucking watts of sub and all this super yeah, sick and stuff. It's been white balanced out. Yeah. And like you, right. ju- you just hear this music in a way you, you feel it because it's so fucking loud. And with all of the lights and all the other people, nobody gives a shit if somebody's actually like recreating this music. They're there to just fucking dance and feel and be a part of the thing. But like metal in a lot of ways is different because metal I think got big because it was like excess in like musical ability. And like to this Mm -hmm. day, it continues to kind of be that that's what like drives the culture is like, Oh, did you, I remember like, like being in high school, like, Oh fuck. Did you hear this decapitated? This is fucking sick. Did you hear origin that drop the fucking, what's that snare? Is that one hand? This is crazy. You know, like all that kind of stuff. It's like the, like the excessiveness is what, always seems to drive metal but uh with pop and stuff it's like the music in some aspect like the performance of the instrumentation is rarely what is talked about at the performance of the vocal sure yeah yeah i remember i think we were still both at clarion whenever we saw that like excision was like starting to tour like yeah. the big market term behind his tour back then was like a quarter of a million watts of sound. Right, yeah, it was all about volume. And and like to your point, um no other genre has such a focus from their audience on technical ability than maybe other than the fine arts. If we're talking about classical um symphonic performance or we're talking about opera, wind no, ensembles. Right, nowhere else is technical proficiency a concern. You look at pop music, it's not about technical proficiency. And up until recently, I would say, with the advent of more uh, glamorous producers such as Phineas, mm-hmm. uh, Billie Eilish, or we're talking about, again, Kanye West and his elaborate productions. But even then, with hip-hop, uh, we're talking about rock music, punk music. Technical proficiency is never a concern for that audience except for metal. And I find that really fascinating. And I guess the other thing to my point is – as you know, being a man who's in a metal band yourself, metal fans are incredibly understanding, aren't they? <laughs> They're oh, <laughs> just very, yes. very reasonable people sometimes. <laughs> I mean, the the ones that I enjoy hanging around actually yeah, yeah. are. The ones yeah, yeah. you surround yourself with, yeah. yes. <laughs> but like most of the time, those people aren't people that only listen to metal. Yeah. I don't really know very many people that only listen to metal that I actually like. Yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong. There has to be somebody. Oh, yeah. No, there definitely are people. <laughs> but for the most part, it's like, I just, and I think that, like, no matter what the genre of music is, like, if you only listen to hip hop, I'm probably not going to get along with you very well. Or if you only listen to punk, I'm probably not going to get along with you very well. It's just, it's hard for me to relate with that. 
as somebody that loves music so much to just be like, oh, do you love music so much or do you like love the subculture yeah. that the music is attached to? And 100%. most of the time, that's what it usually tends to be, right? Yeah. And I think another big thing too with why techni like technical ability doesn't matter so much in terms of a lot of genres, I think it's like more like personality and attitude based. Oh, yeah. And like there's like a weird thing sometimes in metal where like, you know, if you have the technical ability, but you also have the attitude, then like people don't like it in a weird way. Like there's like it needs to like there's a um a really like fine box that a lot of the people that maybe you're talking about kind of like put like what metal is supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I'm like, fuck that, right? Oh yeah. But at the same time, when I hear like what a lot of modern metal has become, I'm also like, fuck that, you're doing too much. <laughs> so it's like I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like aging myself and like becoming the thing that like it's weird, but I try to be like very self-aware of it uh -huh. too, because it's like when I think about like, even though I wouldn't necessarily consider them like metal, I guess kind of, but like if you have like your animals as leaders or like polyphia or any of that sort of stuff, I would never say that those bands are not talented and great at what they do. And I totally oh, understand why they resonate with an audience. I 100%. hate that music. <laughs> I absolutely just do not like that style of music like like the the technical swagger with like the attitude and the like good looks and the nice clothes and the fun pretty melodies and the I'm, five six thousand like, dollar yeah it's like too and... it's just like too much it just feels i don't know what it is to me it's, it's just artificiality it feels like the heart isn't there and sure alex can speak on that a bit but like you being in a pop punk cover band most of your crowd is just happy to be there and have drinks, aren't they? They're oh, not care. just a cover band. Oh yeah, no, right. uh, well, that's he doesn't want to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean that's that's what's nice about. I don't want to say what's nice about, but you know, I I play in that and Midnight you know, Lights, by the way, Midnight Lights, and I'll like I'll fuck up a drum line completely, and I'm just like I'll sit there and I'll be pissed about it for about you know a song and a half or whatever. And then I, you know, we take a fifteen minute break, and I'm like, dude, you're fucking killing him! Like, all right, maybe I should just stop giving a shit. And then the show goes that much better the rest of it. But um, yeah, you know, metal, metal has that spot where, you know, I have no idea actually. Where I'm <laughs> no, you were on a train, and then you decided to get off a couple of stops early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hop I mean, back on the train. We're, yeah. you know, we're very. The closed-minded metalheads are just terrible. So. <laughs> I think that I lost it. <laughs> the way that I could kind of equate it is like maybe um, I, I I did my first show working on the staff at the Roxian, and I remember all of these, all my friends that have ever worked security or on shows around Pittsburgh, they're like, dude, I would rather do like 20 metal shows than one country one. Because just everyone in metal um, is, for the most part, um, pretty open-minded, pretty open to non-perfectionism. Um, they're very understanding about how we are humans and how we are prone to error. Like More. service industry, from a service industry Absolutely, aspect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Whereas with country, the idea is that um, people are there to literally just get trashed, trash the place that they're in, 
and not treat anyone with respect. That's not that's not a dig on the genre itself. It's more so along the lines of like everyone I've ever spoken with has always said like the a, a good majority of like metal fans that they've dealt with are not closed minded. And the ones that are closed minded are just as bad as country. Sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, like digging into if we rewind a bit and kind of like talking about those more modern, like proggy metal, nice haircut bands, right? Whatever you want to call them. I'm just going to call it nice haircut metal because I don't know what else to call it. Which I'm, I think I'm kind of like on the inverse of you, like you hate listening to that. I hate playing it, but I yeah. love listening. To I it. think there's like something about it that feels like, so like there's a lot of modern hip hop that I don't like because I feel that a lot of the subject matter talks about things that I think are completely unobtainable as a human being. Oh yeah. Now, obviously Absolutely. people can do it because those people exist, you know, the, the money, the wealth, all that stuff. Right. I think that some of those bands that I mentioned are like instrumental versions of that. This is like something that you mm. cannot obtain as an artist. Obviously, they can because they did it. Oh, yeah. But for me as a listener, I have a really hard time listening to something that like I don't understand. Like it feels like inhuman to me. And I think that maybe oh. that could be like a compliment to some people. Oh, yeah. But like for me, it's like I don't want to listen to something that sounds so perfect that it's become artificial. You know, it just seems like all the roughness has been scrubbed down with a Brillo pad. Right. And I want it to still have that grit. Well, that's, you know, a lot of people that whenever Megadeth's gone back and remastered Killing Is My Business, like, so many goddamn times. <laughs> Am I allowed to say goddamn? Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, Here we are saying there's, fuck. There's, there's just so many people that it gets reissued, and they're just like, fuck no, I want the, I want the version of that album uh, that was, like, the $20, dude. you know, like, ketchup's, yeah, did you listen to the who's in flames that does remasters? Yeah, oh, Clayman. The Clayman. Yeah, no, oh, bro, barf. Terrible. It's so I, bad. I, I, really I heard the chorus to Pinball Map. Huh? I'm like, what I really the liked hell? them. I don't. I really liked them. <laughs> I think I like, it sounds I like better the now. On them now. I, I like respect. Wayne, but. I respect why you think that it is garbage. I think it is its own flavor. Sure. If you were talking about comparing it to the original 2000 recording, it is trash. But if you look at it from a different perspective, like they are, they are literally moving forward with what the trend is in the industry these days. It's okay. Sure. I think that. I mean, that said, remastering know, is different than re-recording. Absolutely. I hated the re The re-recording is just what I'm like. See, I, I prefer, to, on my no. on my normal day, I prefer those re-recordings because there is an eloquence to them. And maybe this ties into what you were saying about that impersonal, that non-attainable feel. It's a little too polished. But if I'm not feeling all that aggressive, I prefer those. If I just want to get mad and lift some weights at the gym, I'm going to those original recordings of Clayman because that mix is dirty as shit, and I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, mm, it, yeah. They, those were clearly some angry guys when that album came out, and it sounds great, but the remasters to me sound great too as a man who's in his 30s and married because there's more polish, there's more accuracy to the performance, I think. Uh, there's a little bit more melodic attention paid to it, so it's a bit more of a careful production. And I can see why that doesn't appeal, because you go back and listen to the first one, like, mm, man, I just, I feel like I can lift a hundred pounds more than I usually do. I'm going to punch through a brick wall when I listen to you this. Know, for me, it feels like, like, you know, I don't need, like, an HD remaster of, like, old movies. Like, 
it's fine. Like, I guess there may be some people that need to see it clearer on a 4K TV. Right. That's how they like it. Yeah. And ultimately, that's kind of like, you know, bringing this whole conversation kind of back to the beginning and like, you know, talking about like, oh, like this is the guitar tone that I've been chasing or this is the mix that I want. This is how this is supposed to sound. Or like, you know, you fuck something up a drum part at a show and people are like, well, it sounded good to me. It's like, it's always going to be different to everybody oh, else. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, what's so interesting about like the whole idea of like, uh, especially in heavy metal, what happens? Cause there isn't just like songwriting. There's such a focus on tone and like having like, Oh, like I need to 100%. get like, there's no other genre that's like, man, I really need to get these pickups to change up the fucking game on this thing. Or like, you know, man, I should have, you know, for this room, I really should have brought this other snare because it hits harder with the way the ceiling is oh, and like yeah. all this kind of oh, stuff. That's but way like, too much thought. <laughs> you just, you get it. Like I mean, I've been around people that are like that. And like, it's really cool from a technical technical perspective, but also it's like, at the end of the day, if our job is to be entertainers and entertain people, how are we doing ourselves a disservice possibly by putting so much time and energy into things that ultimately go unnoticed by anyone besides ourselves? In a sense, yeah, I feel like there is time and energy that is well spent by doing that because um, artists and, I mean, as you were calling it, entertainers, at the end of the day, they should be happy with what they're producing. And that's kind of like um, when we were on the topic of Clayman 2000, um, that was a guitar tone that I was constantly chasing. Um, that was one that I felt like no matter how much money you threw at the problem, you could never attain that guitar tone. It was a very in the moment, in the space, at the location sure. kind of a tone. Sure. You also had to, you had to, you had to, you had to master it hot for a digital oh, CD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that. A lot of that you extra. A lot good old harder loudness than you would for streamers. Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good old, good old, good old late 90s, uh, early. Well, I guess depending on how you want to look at it, but for the most part, early digital recording can you imagine that nsync and the backstreet boys were the hottest things on the market not in terms of just like marketing but production for like a good year or so like sure. they were the loudest things on the market for like a good year or so until well, somebody was just like yeah i can make a mixer or master that's louder than that well sure it, i'll try it well all the fucking all that's all the majority of that pop music especially of the time it's like it's just kick snare vocals and like an ooh, ooh, and like a weird like <laughs> type thing like there's not really a whole lot of like just like maybe like some like 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 korg triton like string chords type yeah, thing. You, yeah. Had, you had those uh triton strings that were in almost every destiny's child song or anything that timbaland produced yeah you had that weird electronic organ that showed up in hit me baby one more time and then about 75 percent of the backstreet boys oh yeah, yeah. soundtrack oh, you yeah. had those string hits you remember the 90s string hits dun, dun. yeah yep. everything metal had it Pop music had it. Fucking country. There's Garth Brooks songs that have those string hits in them. That was the sound of the 90s. Well, I think it's like, you know, you have all of these vocalists that are trying to sound the same. So all of their vocal range is sitting in a certain EQ frequency. So like you mm -hmm. start thinking about, you know, okay, well, how are we going to mix our, you know, we use our kick and our snare. Like you're giving space for everything in the mix. So for the most part, you just have like, you know, this gnarly bass and then, 
in the vocal space that you have is like, okay, well, let's do strings, weird organs, because yep. it's going to fit in the mix. The vocals will still sit on top of it nice. It's a good, simple mix. It could be super layered, but it's not a bunch of shit fighting for attention like you get yeah. in a metal mix. I think it really took some time uh, for um, like digital technology to get to a certain point that metal could evolve. And now it's been this interesting thing to watch over the past couple decades where like, you know, I used to say for a while, like, metal wouldn't be where it is now if it wasn't for the technology that we have. And I think we're getting to a point now that metal is getting, metal is actually encouraging the technology to get crazier yeah. because like they yeah. want to do wackier things, but like, it's like, okay, well we're not, we can't do it with what we have now. So we just keep creating different plugins and, you know, all sorts of, you know, fun, like multi-effect guitar stuff, like any of like, uh, what's the, the one that, all the fucking Grey Walker guys want to get. Oh my god. The uh the um probably an Axe FX. No, not Axe FX. It's not Helix? Axe FX. It's not the Helix. It's not the Kemper. Neural it's the Neural DSP. DSP quad cortex. Yes, the quad cortex. That's <laughs> the one. Everybody <laughs> wants that. Guy. It's so hard to get a hold of now. Um but going back on your um your your topic of or the topic that we were on earlier, which was um at the end of the day, I feel like artists and entertainers do need to kind of be happy with what they're producing. As much as they are in the room and they're there to entertain, and some, most people don't give a shit about like you're doing like forty different patch changes during us during a song because you can. Um, artists at the end of the day should ultimately be happy with what they're producing, and that's kind of why it took us so long to do. Um, to release separation was just because, like, I remember sending you so many different versions of mixes and stuff, and you'd be like, oh, well, the bass is too gnarly, or my vocals aren't blending, or they're too low, or I don't really like the way that I harmonized that part or something like that. And I'd just be like, okay, how many times are we going to go through this? And I remember the EP also being that way, too, where oh, we, yeah. would, we, we would spend, like, five or six different sessions getting different vocals, and then... By the time, like, a couple of months before we released that EP came around, you, I was just like, dude, it's done. I'm literally doing, uh, yeah. like, yeah, he just dude, two or three DB. Can I, I'm uh, literally, I like, doing two or three B right. adjustments on one EQ band yeah. or on a fader. Dude, I'm I, done. I, it's done. I've been there when Grey Walker recorded Without Control. Um, we We recorded all the drums with our friend Matt, and then we recorded everything else ourselves. And I mixed it and because we wanted to like really like we had this whole idea of like, you know, we're going to be in control of everything. And I mix most of my other music and like record a lot of my own stuff, like pretty much everything. Grey Walker is the exception. But it was just like it, I think sometimes it's too much with normal creatures. It's a little bit easier or sex and new violence, however you want to look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Since there's still people that have no idea that that change has happened, but whatever, fuck them. Um, <laughs> they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out eventually. The power of the internet. Um, it's still kind of like my thing. So like I can run things past people and I'm like, do you like this? Yes or no. And if I get like a, a reason why they don't like it that I agree with, I'll change it. But if I don't agree with it in the past, it would just kind of, I'm like, okay, well it's my fucking record. <laughs> that's not, that's not the case anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from that, but with Grey Walker, it was a lot harder. And we started getting into a lot of this shit. So when we did the EP, we are like, we're not fucking doing this. We went to somebody else. We recorded the whole EP in a day and a half. 
And then we we did all we did it all in a day and a half. Damn. No. Yeah. Look how show. Yeah. No. Yo. We recorded that entire thing in basically two days. In the room. No. So it was we did all the drum. We did drums, drums in one night. All the drums in one night, and then I think we did all the drums and the bass in one night, and then the guitars and vocals. Yeah. That's Damn. pretty. Fit. It was like in a weekend. Uh, one take, Jake's. We did yeah. vocals for separation an entire weekend. Yeah. And but we that all... was just vocals. Oh wait, you know what? Actually, wait, I think technically, I think I think Joey went over on Friday night, set up the drums. Saturday, I think he recorded all the drums, and I think they did guitars and bass, most of the guitars and bass on Saturday. Sunday, I came in, recorded all the vocals, and then I think they did leads. And then we didn't listen to it <sighs> until it was done. Wow. Right. Well, until like Damn. the until the first mix, right? And like, and that was like maybe like a month and a half. So you get completely separated from it, pun intended. Um, you get completely separated from this thing, right? And then we listen to it and we're like, you know what? This sounds fine. You know, there's a couple things that need adjusted, but there was like that distance from it and just hearing it clean, it kind of put us in that perspective of not getting lost in the sauce of like the, okay, up, down, two, three, four, but... Again, as somebody that wants to be an audio engineer and started the band yeah. with that aspiration, I don't expect you to hand over the reins to record the next Shadow of Corvus with somebody else. <laughs> but I would highly recommend maybe one day for funsies doing a song with somebody else. Oh, yeah. And I mean, moving forward, whatever the future entails for us, um, I definitely want to get other people involved because in terms of separation, it was like the first piece of content that we had that we could kind of call our own. Like Cameron mentioned earlier, uh, the beginning of the NDP was just a proof of concept. It was a way of showing that we knew what we were doing and that we were capable of not only writing songs that didn't sound like absolute shit, <laughs> but we could, we could make productions that also didn't sound like absolute shit. Sure. So separation of itself was the first album that Cameron and I really collaborated on. Whereas when he first came on to the band, I had pretty much all of the beginning of the end done. It was, it brings us into our, an interesting story. Uh, the title track from that, the beginning of the end, that was him pressuring me to add one more song to the EP. Oh, I was such an asshole. I text him like <laughs> twice a day for what, two weeks? And it's for like, like hey, two did weeks you add a new like, track? We need a track five for this EP. You're like, what EP has four songs? It has five. Write another one. Are you done yet? Shut the fuck up and finish it. <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, eventually, uh, I, at first I'm just like, stop it. I'm a college student. Right. I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and then eventually I'm just like, fine, if I do it, will you just shut up about it? What did you name the uh, early mix? You sent me one. It was it like the beginning of the end V1. This is the final version. I don't care what you think. <laughs> dot MP3. Yeah. Right. That's very pop punk. <laughs> also, I think to be fair, now that I'm thinking about it, to backtrack to uh, the Lake Cash Show recording, mm -hmm. we did actually do an, a complete pre-production of the entire EP ourselves before we went into the studio. That's streaming content. So uh, that's it was content. That's, it, that's a live version. That it, it was rehearsed before we went in. But, but I think know, the other yeah. thing too was like the way that you're. I'm interested to see what the process of your songwriting is going to be like moving forward now that you have like a dedicated drummer mm -hmm. in the unit because when you're writing like in a DAW, it's really easy to be like, oh, okay, well, these MIDI drums are here and there's a demo bass here, but we just 
either re-record it or switch out the plug in, and now it's like the final bass track. So that's and then, <laughs> I still talk to him about it. It's like, dude, this part's too simple. If we could just put a fill here, we could. And that was where the pull it down and put it back up conversation happened. I was like, yeah, but he does this fill at like a minute 13, and like I'll send him specific timestamps of shit. I'm, <laughs> I Maybe I'm the princess in the pee of this band, <laughs> and why this took five years is because uh, he might be the audio engineer, but I'm the meticulous one. I look at the mixes and I'm like, hey, the bass is maybe 2 dB high. And, mm -hmm. you know, this sounds a little raspy here. Can you check if this is clipping? And also this fill, you have this drum part written here. Maybe we could add a snare fill. It seems a little locked in and repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pain in the ass to work with musically. But, like, he's the musical knowledge. I would say you're most of the ability, like, really your drum parts, you come into a, one of our practices and you just hit something and I'm like, holy shit, why did we never think about that? It's just raw talent. I think that's exactly what we were telling him on the way over right. here. We're <laughs> yeah. just like, if there's anyone that has the ability in this band, it's definitely Alex because he'll come to the table with something that I we never even thought of that just makes it sound like, it it, 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 it ties it all together and makes us sound like a yeah. band. That's what I think is like huge about like, the power of collaboration in music and just bringing other people on board that you trust and just letting them go, like listening to their ideas and things like that. I remember I had a really hard time with Sykes and the New Violence in the early days because it morphed from just me being a solo hip hop performer mm -hmm. to like, oh, okay, well now I've built a band, but these are like my songs, but I'm like, okay, but you're a good bass player, you're a good drummer, you're a good guitar player. That's why I want to work with you. And the whole reason I want to work with you is because I've heard you do cool things on your own before. So why would I not allow you to do the cool things that inspired me to want to work with you in the first place? Here. Yeah, right. But, but that, like letting go of that is it was really, really hard. That And yeah, I agree with that. It was very hard for me because like I remember even whenever you first came in, Cam, for like just doing some demo vocals on the EP, I'm just like, no, this is the way it's going to be. This is I, I have it exactly like this. It has this particular <laughs> meaning and this particular um, message that I want to send. And then after a while, I'm just like, yeah, just do whatever the fuck you want. Do what you think sounds fun. We do that with Alex, too. Like, I remember when uh, the first show we ever played with him was at the Fun House for Yin's Fest in 2018, I think it was. Um, and I, I sent him the EP. We were still playing covers at the time. We still do from time to time. But I remember showing up and just sending him, like, the backing tracks and just being like, here are all the drum parts. Feel free to keep them as verbatim if you want to. But... I want to see what you come up with. If you can top this, if you can make it better than what I can come up with, then kudos to you. And ever since then, he's just like, he'll throw in a fill that we didn't expect or like for something that we want to do later and later down the future. Yeah. Um, he put drum parts on it that didn't originally have it. And I'm just like, man, this sounds so much better than what we originally came up with. And ever since then, we're just like, yeah, Alex, throw a GoPro up. Play over it. Show us what you can do. If you could top what I have programmed, this is going to make a sound even more legit. Yeah. That's the downfall of you. You just get content with great value, Mike Portnoy. <laughs> I don't know. I am also kind of like a bias towards like Mike Portnoy style film. As someone who grew up 
where you and I grew up, ain't nothing wrong with great value, dude. If you're hungry, that's still fucking food. Okay, Dollar, dollar General brand, Mike Borton. Okay, get now yourself I'm again. I like, I, I like, I like, I like that you say that because. Uh, there's been several times that we've been playing Grey Walker shows, and I always call ourselves the um, the Dollar Bin Darkest Hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we call ourselves the Dollar Bin in Flames right. <laughs> or Death Clock. My God, we need to do like the Dollar Bin Fest. Um, oh, dude, that's a that's a festival in Pittsburgh. Right we're not there. even People Dollar Bin. We're the, the fuck up for that. We're the fifty cent sticker that you put in front of the barcode so <laughs> and overcharge. Dude, that's no. a festival. Yeah, yeah no. I'm so uh, into jokes that. aside, I would love to play with Gray Walker. Like straight. Yeah, one hundred. I remember even telling you that on Friday. I'm like, yo, we got to do a show, especially now that you have Jonathan in the band now. Yeah, no, I would I would love to do it. I remember that you had invited us to do your album release show and we weren't able to do it. Black Forge, yeah. But one of these days, it will happen. We're always down to play. It's just adults. It doesn't yeah. always work out. Oh, yeah. That's right. really all we that it boils down. We, we are kind of like the um, emblemization. I'm not sure if that's a word, but no, fuck you're, it, yeah, I'm rolling right. with it. We are the emblemization of all of us having different lives. Yeah. He's the married guy. He's the pop punk drummer that plays in a death metal band sometimes. And I'm the one that's still trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do with my <laughs> life. But no, uh, a little bit back to your point, we were talking about uh, bands and you know, conflicting with that idea of trying to fine tune things. I would say, and I had this thought earlier and I'd been holding on to it. If you're trying to start a band, the thing you need to realize first and foremost is that having a band and being a member of a band is a constant confliction with your own narcissism. Every day you're in a band, oh. <laughs> you're looking in a mirror and saying to yourself, I am not the most important person here. Everything I do cannot be the standard. So when we go into the studio and I have a bunch of rewrites and you shut me down, it is my duty as a band member to say, you know what? You might be right. Let's hear you out. Or you have a drum part that he has written something else in uh, you know, a Logic plugin. And it's your duty to put your ego aside and say, you know what? Let's hear him out. Let's hear this snare part. Let's sure. hear this Tom fill. 100%. So I would say like, you know, I didn't mean to get too deep into it, but if you're looking to start a band, understand that you will be conflicting and looking at yourself in a mirror every moment you practice, every moment you play, every moment you write and saying to yourself, I'm not the most valuable part of this here. I need to contribute. I need to disperse my abilities and I need to listen. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there are going to be situations where there are going to be people that you may or may not work with. It depends, but they exist, people that think the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. Right? And I think that it makes it really hard when those people are a part of a band because they don't want what's best for the band. They want what is best for themselves. Yeah. And that happens a lot. I've seen it happen in metal bands a lot mm -hmm. because you have guitar players that don't always understand that, hey, this – this part is allowed to sound dumb because the drums and the vocals are going to sound cool. Or 
vice versa. Right. Maybe the vocalist, hey, vocalist, this is I the guitar can... solo. Shut up. Right. Don't <laughs> put vocals exactly. over top of the guitar solo. You know, like in. I have all... totally never been guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think should, it is what it is. And I, I mean, think you like... could even attest. Um, I have totally <laughs> never been guilty. Of but that. we work through that. And that's part of being a band is you talk through those moments. You're willing to communicate. And like Brian is saying, sometimes you have a person join a band and it just doesn't work. And that happens in life. You have coworkers at work that you don't like. You have friends that kind of piss you off from time to time. That's a reality of being human and being in a band's no different. You need to look at those situations and say, hey, maybe I need to tell this person to step aside. Maybe you don't need to be playing a lead while I'm doing a sick vocal because the point of this passage right here is that yeah. I'm doing a sick vocal. This is my time to shine. Yeah. You'll have yours. Yeah. But I need mine. It, it, it's interesting. I think ultimately it's like, does everybody in the band just want to make the best song possible? Mm -hmm. And then 100%. whatever you got to do to do that, get through it. It's interesting because with Grey Walker, we sometimes have conflict of what we think that end result of a best song possible should be because we all have different, we like have our, our similar shit that we like, but we also like a lot of other shit. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. Like some of us lean way heavy, heavier into power metal than others. And then some of us lean way more heavy into like the more like industrial, weird, experimental stuff, right? And then mm -hmm. others that lean way more into like traditional and like we're trying to bring it all together, right? Yep. And it could be hard where and I'm just like, I'm always the guy that's like, yo, like those drums need to be less punk rock, more Sepultura. Yeah. And like, <laughs> let's dumb down the riffs. Simple. Uh, yeah. Like, let's, let's make it, let's make it more simple I mean, because like they're coming in with so much complexity. Right. I'm like yin and yang balance it, you know, yeah. to, to speak on the narcissism part, I'll go back to a band, different band that I was in my first band. And I won't use the name of that band. You probably, you guys know the name of it. I won't use the name yeah, of people. I may have we, even said it. Don't go back and listen to the, but do listen to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Actually, yeah, fuck it, I'll say it. Twin Trees. Um, anyway, <laughs> we had uh, we had this guitar player at one point in time, and good guy. And I hate saying it, but it it drives home the point of narcissism. We would sound check everything, sounds as good as it can in you know shitty clubs that we'd play. And then you know it's like cool, you guys go on a half hour and just sit there and volume knob up, volume knob up, volume knob up. And by the time we'd get playing, it's like what happened? We sound like shit. And we're like, this guy's like 20 decibels louder than the entire band. It just got to the point where we're like, Hey, um, you're uh, kind of fucking out, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like, you need, sometimes yeah. you just need to like, mm, mm, not the most important part of this band. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's been definitely situations. I think that one of the great things that, <laughs> can come out of playing shitty clubs is like you really learn how to get a balanced live sound if you care. Oh yeah. And you learn how to like deal with sound engineers that may or may not care, may or may not know what they're doing. You learn how to talk to different people. Now, like I could walk into any club anywhere, say hi to the sound person, see how they mix the first band or two. And yep. I'm like, uh, or even a song. I'm like, I know what we're dealing with. Yeah, you know, I this know is this is person yeah, A, yeah. this is person B. And like, when we get on stage, I know what to ask them for and what not to ask them for. You know what I mean? Like, with there's times where like, you know, Grey Walker plays with backtracks. Yeah. And there are some yeah. shows. So do we. Where it's just like, I mean, you have to. We don't necessarily have to. 
Yeah, you have a full five piece. So, you can get away with it. But I mean, like, there's been times where it's like, okay, no backtracks tonight. Why? Yeah. It's just not going to happen. It it's not going to happen. I played a show once and we're playing. We had like a, a sub member or whatever. And he starts playing the intro riff. I'm like, that's funny. I didn't know that guy had a wah. I look over at his pedal board. He doesn't. The, the monitors are just so fucking terrible <laughs> that his guitar is coming through like wow, 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 wow. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is going to fucking suck. That's why I, that's why I kind of feel like the fact that we've kind of compartmentalized as much as our live show as we have, um, we could walk into any size venue, whether it would be something like the Roxian or something like Roboto, and we would be able October to put on the blood. same quality of show as any other time. Yeah. That's just because I feel like we've kind of figured out our sound. We've figured out our live rig, what we want to sound like, how we want to present ourselves to an audience. Yeah. And that may deviate from show to show. Like, for example, when we did our album release show at Blackforge 2 in July, that was that was like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing where all of the bands that were there were just – we were all homies and we got on stage and we're just like, let's just – Let's just mix everyone around on different instruments and let's just see what happens. And the crowd was red hot for everything. It didn't, we could have played hot cross buns and people would have gone wild. Like everybody was so ready to just have a good time. We could have played Californication for all that. The hey, that's actually a good song. Hey, hot no, cross buns. I like, and we I like red hot chili peppers. Are you chili trying to like, talk oh. shit on red hot chili peppers right now? No. You better sit down. We could have played no. Danny California and everyone would have had a yeah, good time. Yeah, you know what, Fuck Brandon, off. people would have liked it because red hot chili peppers are good. We could have did a, we could have did a, metal cover of bad guy and people would have been like all over it hey bodum did oops i did it again so don't <laughs> count that really? out yeah, yeah that's, that's, 90s, no. that's 90s pop though i think that so? <laughs> most of the time people just that are going to a show want to see somebody on stage that's really good at what they're doing enjoying what they're doing and this even goes back to like needing a bass player or not or a rhythm guitar player or not as long as the three of you are really really good at what you do, chances are people are even going to realize it. You know, it's oh, going to yeah. be like me watching Aladdin and then a half hour. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a cartoon. I forgot. I'm just wrapped <laughs> in the story. You know, it's just like if it's good enough, people will get distracted. And I think that that's why sometimes like a Drake could just stand on a stage by himself. Oh, yeah. He's just that good at what he does. He, he can hold. He is yeah. the presence that can hold the audience. There, so There was this artist I saw. I went to Sad Summerfest a couple of days ago. And um, they, for whatever reason, a couple bands dropped. Story so far, and I forget the other one. But um, this chick singer, Charlotte Sands, got added to the bill. And she only had a drummer on stage. It was just drummer and backing tracks. And her her performance was just that energetic that no one gave a shit that there wasn't some pretty boy sure. strumming you know four chord songs and no one gave a shit that there was nobody else on stage. She put on a great fucking show. And I'm like, good for her. Like she announced, like they had to like remake tour merch for the next gig because people from Pittsburgh were all buying it out. Huh, yeah, awesome. yeah. And I, feel I, like, I can yeah. attest to that. I'm like watching her. I'm like, God damn, she has like no one else on stage with her aside from that drummer. And even he's not doing crazy shit. She's just bringing that energy, that performance. And like, yeah. that's what's selling it. And I'm like, damn, good for her. Yeah. And I feel like we've kind of figured out how we can do that as a three piece in shadow of Corvus. Oh, like, if we bring the energy, it'll, we'll sell. 
Five tickets, but we'll sell. <laughs> we'll sell. Those five tickets are important to They're, us. Hey, man, we sell five tickets and 15 T-shirts. I consider that a good night. Amen Chuck to that. that up as a win. Now, the only <laughs> sacrifice is me having to crush a beer can on my forehead. But, you know, that's one I'm willing to take for the team. Or in the case of our <laughs> album show, it was a liquid death can. Yeah, a liquid death can and then several glasses of wine. I don't know why I decided red wine was going to be my stage accessory. <laughs> you were, you were uh, trying to, you were trying to be mine. Gene Simmons and drool it out of your mouth now, instead of spitting fire. I was fucked up by the end of that show. Oh, so was I. <laughs> if you watch the Pull Harder video, yeah. Oh, yeah, we do the Viking hat. That rule. <laughs> oh, that was that was such a great show. Shout out to all my homies at Black Forge for hosting us. That was one of the best, if not the best show I think we've ever done as a band. And that was the first time we ever did a show in like, that was the first time we did a show in like two and a half years. Right. Um, yeah, as mm-hmm. we all know, the lockdowns really messed things up and us... Uh, yeah, being COVID sucks. Spoiler also messed us up. We really didn't <laughs> want to get a show out there until we were ready to drop the album. And moving across the country puts a wrench into things too. Yeah, yeah. You were living in uh, a real shithole out there. No, he lived in Brendan's. He lived in Brendan Small's basement. Yeah, you were you were living in a real shithole out in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, it one was of a, the nicest places in the world. <laughs> it. It had its own challenges, but it had its own perks. Um, the perk of it was that I was clear-headed enough that I could just record everything for the album yeah. just from start to finish. Also, the coastline had to have been real nice. Huh? The coastline, yeah, was that's really what nice I thought. Too. Yeah, don't, don't sell out that and walk short. to the beach and just scream, you know, and then walk back after half an hour. Just take out a seven B out onto the coastline and just Andrew Wong it and just ah, <laughs> all the parts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. As this uh, this train that we are currently on is rounding the station back on home, is there anything that we want to talk about that is coming up? Any gigs? Anything special? Anything delicious? Or would we just like to just you know let I mean, people know? Yeah, we got a where you can find things. you. Is this thing that delicious? Oh, it's scrumptious, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then yeah, um, yeah, we got a couple cool things coming up. Um, first off, we have a show at Roboto on October 9th, opening up for a band that we've played with a couple different times, Speaking in Tongues and RVNT. I don't think we've ever opened up for. No, they are a touring. touring metalcore band. I believe they're based out of Albany, New York. I'm not entirely sure Sounds on that about one. Right. There's also a second head, a co-headliner, uh, Desolence. Not Desolence, Desolate. Desolate. Yes, they are another, I think they're closer to like a post-deathcore type of sound. Maybe they wouldn't describe themselves that way, but uh, I don't really know how to go for it. Pretty much, we're the, we're the old guys in the lineup. We're the dad metal. Yeah. Uh, everyone else is playing that more uh, North Lane, uh, that newer style of metalcore. The mirror kind of stuff. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely the more classical metalcore. Uh, so it'll be an interesting lineup. We'll have to see if, uh, we look too much like boomers on stage compared to everyone else. But yeah, uh, the ninth come out. Oh, is that an Iron Maiden shirt? Oh, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just wear like really oversized hoodies and keep it up the whole time. And like, you'll fit in and just don't blow a vape cloud, you know, don't let anybody see you. Don't talk to anybody. Don't be social. You'll fit right in. We need to raid a Supreme <laughs> store. We need, I need. There you go. Yeah. I need Adidas <laughs> track pants and some white high tops. You need to look like the off-brand version of Run DMC. Uh, you mean uh, 
Beastie Boys. Hey, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but no, we have a uh, we have something else we're working on. We yeah. do. Um, those two days that we mentioned that we spent in the studio tracking all of the vocals for separation. We also tracked all the vocals for something else. Um, there was a reason why earlier in the show I mentioned that. I hate going back and listening to that original recording of the beginning of the end because I'll even not even just the demos, but just like what's available on streaming. I'll go back and I'll just be like, huh, how did I think this sounded good at yeah. the time? But that that's that's the that's the meticulous part of me as a as an audio engineer that I'll look back and be like, man, there's too much mid range in that guitar tone. It, yeah. it 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 sounds it sounds like a cardboard. Box. And so we'll announce that. Uh, Coming someday, uh, we are going to re-release a. Uh, it's a full re-recording. It's the a full EP. re-recording yes. of the beginning of the end. Yeah, we redid all of the parts. We changed up. I think you even changed some of the rhythm guitar on Penance. Like we changed the song. It's a different song now. Yeah, there's. We kind of took this like how In Flames did with uh, the re-recording of Clay Man, which I know you're against. Yeah, hopefully I know. you hate this less. But, hopefully listen, you hate this less. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I don't like it, but I'm happy that it brings you joy. Mm. That's him. Yeah. Thank you. I can oh. appreciate I can appreciate what it is. I'm happy that it brings anybody joy that likes it. Also see particularly particularly the in flames boys themselves, if they feel happier with it, good for them. It's yeah. hard to find happiness in this hellhole. So if you oh, found a little bit yeah. ain't that tight. the truth. Ain't tight. that the truth. <laughs> we are someday, we don't have an announced date. It it's well, I have one more session of vocals to do. Yeah, and that's just because I found some we, shit I do live that I was like, mm, let me try this a little bit differently than what we already tracked. But those two days we spent in the studio doing vocals for separation, we also did vocals for that as well. Yeah. I remember walking out of there and you're just like, I'm done talking for like two whole yeah, days. Yeah, I burnt myself out. So yes, we are going to re-release a re-recording of the EP, the beginning of the end, coming... I don't know. Whenever. 22? Early 25. 22? 2035. Yeah, 2035. Let's go, let's go a Nomoro style here. Yeah, right. Tetsuya Nomoro style. KH4, coming 2046. All right, I'll say this. It'll come out before, before Tool's next yeah. record. <laughs> Low-hanging Which, fruit. They also beat us to the punchline on that. We joked for years yeah. that, like, we're going to release this album before Tool yeah, does. Yeah, we were sure. And they did it. And we're just like, God damn it. They did it yeah, before no, us. Nothing to live for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, as we wrap things up here, I think I'm just going to do an outro. I think we've done it. We've talked about the band. We've talked about a plethora of other things. We've Music. Life, some more important life, than yeah. others. Life, love, and happiness, and all that shit. So, and leather koozies. Don't forget about that. Don't forget about the leather koozie. Show, yeah, show show that puppy <laughs> off. <laughs> that that's good. That's great. <laughs> that that's enough. There we go. Yeah, Shout yeah, out. Yeah, one more time. Thanks again to uh, Noble Creature for. I mean, again, you don't sponsor the podcast. Yeah, it was delicious. But I will. I will talk about Noble Creature for every for. Yo, hit Brian up. Hit him up. Yeah, what he's basically trying to say is that the show is not sponsored, but he wants it to be. It's like we are not no. sponsored by Blackforge, but we want to be. Hit us up. Hit us up. Anyways, yeah. uh, <laughs> that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here one more time. Shadow of Corvus. Thanks, guys. Thanks, I'll be back. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. Twenty twenty one. Whoop whoop. 
Thanks for listening. And we're done. That was a podcast. Woo! It happened. It happened. Sorry we talked too much. We really yeah. just blathered. Can you imagine a podcast where nobody talks?